0: where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. There, on that uh, same top menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society And that email contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from uh, 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we are continuing our reading in. Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, with Section 10, Guiltlessness and Invulnerability. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today's lesson being Lesson 135. If I defend myself, I am attacked. And uh, Fran will leave that for us. Okay, so, um, let's see, before we get started, Lori, do you have a, a poetic opening you'd like to offer?
1: I do, LeMoyne, and I was so happy to receive this one. It's from pure Elias Amidon in his work called flashes it goes like this something unspeakably good is shining here some generosity so quiet and nonchalant it leaves no trace of itself yet appears as you and me and every moment created and left behind nothing ever personal yet everything Always intimate. Something unspeakably good is shining here. Amen. Oh, thank you, Laurie. Beautiful, thank you. Yes, I thank was, you. I was happy to receive that. Thanks, guys.
0: Oh, thank you, Laurie. All right, I have uh, with us in reading this morning, I have uh, Laurie, Fran, Robin Marie, Karen, Sondra, Jessica, and uh, maybe Harrison. Is there anyone who else who has joined us who would like to either join the reading list or just say good morning?
1: Lemoyne and this Jude, I would just like to say good morning. Thank you.
0: Morning, Judy. you welcome. Anyone else? Okay. All right, I'll get us started then with uh, Chapter 11 God's Plans for Salvation and Section 10. Guiltlessness and invulnerability, paragraph 85, if you did not feel guilty, you could not attack, for condemnation is the root of attack. It is the judgment of one mind by another as unworthy of love and deserving of punishment but herein lies the split for the mind that judges perceives itself as separate from the mind being judged believing that by punishing another it will escape punishment all this is but the delusional attempt of the mind to deny itself and escape the penalty of denial It is not an attempt to relinquish denial, but to hold on to it. For it is guilt that has obscured the Father to you, and it is guilt that has driven you insane." Maury.
1: Chapter 11, God's Plan for Salvation, Section 10, Guiltlessness and Invulnerability. If you do not feel guilty, you could not attack, for condemnation is the root of all attack. It is the judgment of one mind by another, as unworthy of love and deserving of punishment. But herein lies the split, for the mind that judges perceives itself as separate from the mind being judged, believing that by punishing another, it will escape punishment. All this is but the delusional attempt of the mind to deny itself and escape the penalty of denial it is not an attempt to relinquish denial but to hold on to it for it is guilt that has obscured the father to you and it has guilt that has driven you insane 86 the acceptance of guilt into the mind of God's son was the beginning of the separation as the acceptance of the Atonement is its end. The world you see is the delusional system of those made mad by guilt. Look carefully at this world and you will realize that this is so. For this world is the symbol of punishment, and all the laws which seem to govern it are the laws of death. Children are born into it through pain and in pain, Their growth is attended by suffering, and they learn of sorrow and separation and death. Their minds are trapped in their brain, in their brain, and its powers decline if their bodies are hurt. They seem to love, yet they desert and are deserted. They appear to lose what they love, perhaps the most insane belief of all. And their bodies wither, gasp, and are laid in the ground and seem to be no more. Not one of them, but has thought that God is cruel.
0: Thank you, Lori and Bram. 86.
1: The acceptance of guilt into the mind of God's son was the beginning of the separation and as the acceptance of the atonement is its end. The world you see is the delusional system of those made mad by guilt. Look carefully at this world, and you will realize that this is so. For this world is the symbol of punishment, and all the laws which seem to govern it are the laws of death. Children are born into it through pain and in pain. Their growth is attended by suffering, and they learn of sorrow and separation and death. Their minds are trapped in their brain, and its powers decline if their bodies are hurt. They seem to love, yet they desert and are deserted. They appear to lose what they love, perhaps the most insane belief of all. And their bodies wither and gasp and are laid in the ground and seem to be no more. Not one of them, but has thought that God is cruel. 87, if this were the real world, God would be cruel. For no father could subject his children to this as the price of salvation and be loving. Love does not kill to save. If it did, attack would be salvation. And this is the ego's interpretation, not God's. Only the world of guilt could demand this, for only the guilty could conceive of it. Adam's quote-unquote sin could have touched none of you had you not believed that it was the father who drove him out of paradise? For in that belief, the knowledge of the father was lost, since only those who do not understand him could
0: believe it. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie.
2: 87
1: If this were the real world, God would be cruel, for no father could subject his children to this as the price of salvation and be loving. Love does not kill to save. If it did, attack would be salvation. And this is the ego's interpretation, not God's. Only the world of guilt could demand this, for only the guilty could conceive of it. Adam's, quote, sin, unquote, could have touched none of you had you not believed that it was the Father who drove him out of paradise. For in that belief, the knowledge of the Father was lost, since only those who do not understand him could believe it. 88. This world is a picture of the crucifixion of God's Son. And until you realize that God's Son cannot be crucified. This is the world you will see, yet you will not realize this until you accept the eternal fact that God's Son is not guilty. He deserves only love because he has given only love. He cannot be condemned because he has never condemned. The atonement is the final lesson you need learn, for it teaches him that never having sinned, he has no need of salvation.
0: Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen.
2: Uh,
3: 88. This world is a picture of the crucifixion of God's Son. And until you realize that God's Son cannot be crucified this is the world you will see yet you will not realize this until you accept the eternal fact that god's son is not guilty he deserves only love because he has given only love he cannot be condemned because he has never condemned The atonement is the final lesson he may learn for it teaches him that never having sinned he has no need of salvation. 89. Long ago we said that the Holy Spirit shares the goal of all good teachers whose ultimate aim is to make themselves unnecessary by teaching their pupils all they know. The Holy Spirit wills only this. For sharing the father's love for his son, he wills to remove all guilt. He wills to remove all guilt from his mind that he may remember his father in peace. For peace and guilt are antithetical, and the father can be remembered only in peace. Love and guilt cannot coexist, and to accept one is to deny the other. Guilt hides Christ from your sight, for it is the denial of the blamelessness. It is the denial of the blamelessness of God's Son.
0: Thank you, Karen. And Sandra.
1: Long ago we said that the Holy Spirit shares the goal of all good teachers Whose ultimate aim is to make themselves unnecessary by teaching their pupils all they know, the Holy Spirit wills only this for sharing the father's love for his son he wills to remove all guilt from his mind that he may remember his father's peace, his father in peace for peace and guilt are antithetical and the Father can be remembered only in peace. Love and guilt cannot coexist, and to accept one is to deny the other. Guilt hides Christ from your sight, for it is the denial of the blamelessness of God's Son. Ninety. In this stage, sorry, in this strange world which you have made, the Son of God has sinned, How could you see him then? By making him invisible, the world of retribution rose in the black cloud of guilt which you accepted and you hold it dear. For the blamelessness of Christ is the proof that the ego never was and can never be. Without guilt, the ego has no life and God's Son is without guilt. As you look upon yourselves, and judge what you do honestly, as you have been asked to do, you may be tempted to wonder how can he, how 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 you can be guiltless I'll read that sentence again as you look upon yourselves and judge what you do honestly, as you have been asked to do, you may be tempted to wonder how you can be guiltless.
0: Thank you, Sandra. And Jessica.
4: 90. In this strange world which you have made, the Son of God has sinned. How could you see him then? By making him invisible, the world of retribution rose in the black cloud of guilt, which you accepted, and you hold it dear. For the blamelessness of Christ is the proof that the ego never was and can never be. Without guilt, the ego has no life, and God's Son is without guilt. As you look upon yourselves and judge what you do honestly, as you have been asked to do, you may be tempted to wonder how you can be guiltless. 91. Yet consider this. You are not guiltless in time, but in eternity. You have, quote, sinned in the past. But there is no past. Always has no direction. Time seems to go in one direction but when you reach its end, it will roll up like a long carpet which has spread along the path behind you and will disappear. As long as you believe the Son of God is guilty, you will walk along this carpet believing that it leads to death, and the journey will seem long and cruel and senseless, for so it is.
0: Thank you, Jessica and Harrison. Are you ready to read? Two more, bites. Okay. Is there anyone else who... uh, uh, Any new reader who would like to read the 91 and 92?
1: I can do it.
0: All right. Please go ahead, Judy.
1: Thank you. Yet consider this. You are not guiltless in time, but in eternity. You have, quote, sinned, unquote, in the past, but there is no past. Always has no direction. Time seems to go in one direction. But when you reach its end, it will roll up like a long carpet which has spread along the past behind you and will disappear. As long as you believe the Son of God is guilty, you will walk along this carpet believing that it leads to death. And the journey will seem long and cruel, and senseless, for so it is. The journey which the Son of God has set himself is foolish indeed, but the journey on which his Father sets him is one of release and joy. Amen. The Father is not cruel, and his Son cannot hurt himself. The retaliation he fears and which he sees will never touch him, for although he believes in it, the Holy Spirit knows it is not true. The Holy Spirit stands at the end of time, where you must be, because he is with you. He has always undone everything unworthy of the Son of God, for such was his mission." Given him by God, and what God gives has always been. Wow, thank you.
0: And thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for ninety
5: two and ninety three? I'm ready. Okay. Great. Go ahead. 92. The journey which the Son of God has set himself is foolish indeed, but the journey on which His Father sets Him is one of release and joy. The father is not cruel and his son cannot hurt himself. The retaliation he fears and which he sees will never touch him, for although he believes in it, the Holy Spirit knows it is not true. The Holy Spirit stands at the end of time where you must be because he is with you. He has always undone everything unworthy of the Son of God for such was his mission. Given to him by God. And what God gives has always been. 93. You will see me as you learn the Son of God is guiltless. He has always sought his guiltlessness and he has found it. For everyone is seeking to escape from the prison he has made and the way to find release is not denied him. Being in him, he has found it. When he finds it is only a matter of time and time is but an illusion so the son of God is guiltless now and the brightness of his purity shines untouched forever in God's mind God's son will Always be as he was created. Deny your world and judge him not, for his eternal guiltlessness is in the mind of his Father and protects him forever. Hallelujah.
0: Uh, Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new... (coughs) Excuse me. Is there another new reader for 93 and 94? Another new reader? Okay, back to you, Lori.
1: 93. You will see me. As you learn the Son of God is guiltless. He has always sought his guiltlessness and he has found it. For everyone is seeking to escape from the prison he has made. And the way to find release is not denied him. Being in him, he has found it. When he finds it is only a matter of time and time is but an illusion. For the Son of God is guiltless now and the brightness of His purity shines forever untouched in God's mind. God's Son will always be as He was created. Deny your world and judge Him not, for His eternal guiltlessness is in the mind of His Father and protects Him forever. 94. When you have accepted the atonement for yourselves, you will realize that there is no guilt in God's son. And only as you look upon him as guiltless can you understand his oneness. For the idea of guilt brings a belief in condemnation of one by another, projecting separation in place of unity. You can condemn only yourself. And by so doing, you cannot know that you are God's son. You have denied the condition of his being, which is his perfect blamelessness. Out of love he was created, and in love he abides. Goodness and mercy have always followed him, for he has always extended the love of his Father.
0: Thank you, Lori and Fran.
1: Ninety-four. When you have accepted the atonement for yourselves, you will realize that there is no guilt in God's Son, and only as you look upon him as guiltless can you understand his oneness. For the idea of guilt brings a belief in condemnation of one by another, projecting separation in place of unity. You can condemn only yourself, and by so doing, you cannot know that you are God's Son, You have denied the condition of his being, which is his perfect blamelessness. Out of love he was created, and in love he abides. Goodness and mercy have always followed him, for he has always extended the love of his Father. 95. As you perceive the holy companions who travel with you, you will realize that there is no journey, but only an awakening. The Son of God who sleepeth not has kept faith with his Father for you, There is no road to travel on and no time to travel through, for God waits not for His Son in time, being forever unwilling to be without Him, and so it has always been. Let the holiness of God's Son shine away the cloud of guilt that darkens your mind, and by accepting His purity as yours, learn of Him that it is yours.
0: Thank you, Brian. And Robin Marie.
4: Thank you, Craig. As you
1: perceive the holy companions who travel with you, you will realize that there is no journey, but only an awakening. The Son of God, who sleepeth not, has kept faith with his Father for you. There is no road to travel on, And no time to travel through. For God waits not for his son in time. Being forever unwilling to be without him. And so it has always been. Let the holiness of God's son shine away the cloud of guilt that darkens your mind. And by accepting his purity as yours, learn of him that it is yours. 96. You are invulnerable because you are guiltless. You can hold on to the past only through guilt. For guilt establishes that you will be punished for what you have done. And thus depends on one-dimensional time proceeding from past to future. No one who believes this can understand what always means. And therefore guilt must deprive you of the appreciation of eternity you are immortal because you are eternal, and always must be now. Guilt, then, is a way of holding past and future in your minds to ensure the ego's continuity. For if what has been, for if what has been will be punished, the ego's ego's continuity is guaranteed. Yet the guarantee of your continuity is God's not the egos, and immortality is the opposite of time, for time passes away while immortality is constant.
0: Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen?
3: 96. You are invulnerable because you are guiltless. You can hold on to the past only through guilt. For guilt establishes that you will be punished for what you have done and thus depends on one-dimensional time proceeding from past to future. No one who believes this can understand what always means. And therefore, guilt must deprive you of the appreciation of eternity. You are immortal because you are eternal and always must be now. Guilt then is a way of holding past and future in your mind to ensure the ego's continuity. For if what has been will be punished, the ego's continuity is guaranteed. Yet the guarantee of your continuity is God's, not the ego's. And immortality is the opposite of time, for time passes away while immortality is constant. 97. Accepting the atonement teaches you what immortality is. For by accepting your guiltlessness, you learn that the past has never been And so, the future is needless. The future in time is always associated with expiration, and only guilt could induce a sense of need for expiration. Accepting the guiltlessness of the Son of God as yours is therefore God's way of reminding you of His Son and what He is in truth. I'm just going to read that again. I'm sorry, I got a text. Accepting the guiltlessness of the Son of God as yours is therefore God's way of reminding you of His Son and what He is in truth. For God has never condemned His Son, and being guiltless, He is
2: eternal.
0: Thank you, Karen and Sandra.
1: Accepting the atonement teaches you what immortality is. For by accepting your guiltlessness, you learn that the past has never been, and so the future is needless. The future in time is always associated with expiation, and only guilt could induce a sense of need for expiation. Accepting the guiltlessness of the Son of God as yours, is therefore God's way of reminding you of His Son and what He is in truth. For God has never condemned His Son, and being guiltless, He is eternal. 98. You cannot dispel dispel guilt by making it real and then atoning for it. This is the ego's plan, which it offers instead of dispelling it. The ego believes in atonement through attack, being fully committed to the insane notion that attack is salvation. And you who cherish guilt must also believe it, for how else, but by identifying with the ego, could you hold dear what you do not want?
0: Thank you, Sandra and Jessica.
4: Thanks, Lemoine. Ninety-eight. You cannot dispel guilt by making it real and then atoning for it. This is the ego's plan, which it offers instead of dispelling it. The ego believes in atonement through attack, being fully committed to the insane notion that attack is salvation. And you who cherish guilt must also believe it. For how else, but by identifying with the ego, could you hold dear what you do not want? 99. The ego teaches you to attack yourself because you are guilty. And this must increase the guilt, for guilt is the result of attack. In the ego's teaching, then, there is no escape from guilt. For attack makes guilt real. And if it is real, there is no way to overcome it. The Holy Spirit dispels it simply through the calm recognition that it has never been. As he looks upon the guiltless Son of God, he knows this is true. And being true for you
1: you cannot attack yourself, for without guilt, attack is
4: impossible. You then are saved, because God's Son is guiltless, and being wholly pure, you are invulnerable.
0: Thank you, Jessica and Judy. Are you on mute, Judy?
1: Yes. Where where am I? Ninety? Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. Thank you, Lemoyne. The ego teaches you to attack yourself because you are guilty. And this must increase the guilt, for guilt is the result of attack. In the ego's teaching, then, there is no escape from it, from guilt. For attack makes guilt real. And if it is real, there is no way to overcome it. The Holy Spirit dispels it simply through the calm recognition that it has never been. And he looks upon the guiltless Son of God. He knows this to be true. And as he looks upon the guiltless Son of God, he knows this to be true. And being true for you, you cannot attack yourself. For without guilt, attack is impossible. You then are saved because God's Son is guiltless. And being wholly pure, you are invulnerable. Wow. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you, Judy. And... uh... Okay. It's a pretty long reading. We have a long lesson. So just for a brief summary here on section ten, guiltless and invulnerability. Excuse me, guiltlessness and invulnerability in God's plan for salvation. Just gonna kind of read the uh, three paragraphs. Pretty much these three. Ninety three. You will see me He's saying, meaning, you will see Christ as you learn the Son of God is guiltless. He has always sought his guiltlessness and he has found it. For everyone is seeking to escape from the prison he has made and the way to find release is not denied him. Being in him, he has found it. When he finds it is only a matter of time and time is but an illusion. For the Son of God is guiltless now, and the brightness of His purity shines untouched forever in God's mind. God's Son will always be as He was created. Deny your world and judge Him not, for His eternal guiltlessness is in the mind of His Father. And protects him forever. First sentence 94 When you have accepted the atonement for yourselves, you will realize there is no guilt in God's Son. I'll skip to 96. You are invulnerable because you are guiltless. You can hold on to the past only through guilt, for guilt establishes that you will be punished for what you have done and thus depends on one-dimensional time proceeding from past to future. No one who believes this can understand what always means. And therefore, guilt must deprive you of the appreciation of eternity. You are immortal because you are eternal and always must be now. Guilt, then, is a way of holding past and future in your minds to ensure the ego's continuity for if what has been will be punished the ego's continuity is guaranteed. Yet the guarantee of your continuity is God, not the ego. And immortality is the opposite of time. For time passes away, while immortality is constant. First sentence 97. Accepting the atonement teaches you what immortality is. For by accepting your guiltlessness, you learn that the past has never been, and so the future is needless. And finally, 99, the ego teaches you to attack yourself because you are guilty. Let me emphasize that the way he says it. The ego teaches you to attack yourself because you are guilty, and this must increase the guilt for guilt is the result of attack. In the ego's teaching then, there is no escape from guilt. For attack makes guilt real, and if it is real, there is no way to overcome it. The Holy Spirit dispels it, so attack and guilt, simply through the calm recognition that it has never been. As he looks upon the guiltless Son of God, he knows this is true. And being true for you, you cannot attack yourself For without guilt, attack is impossible. You then are saved because God's Son is guiltless. And being wholly pure, you are invulnerable.
1: Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Okay. Thank Very you. Wonderful.
0: Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Another vote for receiving instead of planning. All right. um, uh, Friend, can I turn to you to lead us in the lesson to, for the day? Lesson... 135, if I defend myself, I am attacked. Yes. Thank you, LeMoyne.
1: Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 135. If I defend myself, I am attacked. So I shall read some of the lesson, and then we will do our five-minute practice on the lesson. And I'll tell you, this one's a long one. (laughs) Okay, 135. If I defend myself, I am attacked. Who would defend himself unless he thought he was attacked, that the attack is real, and that his own defense can save himself? And it is this you do when you attempt to plan the future, activate the past, or organize the present as you wish. A sense of threat is an acknowledgement of an inherent weakness, a belief that there is danger, which has power to call on you, to make appropriate defense. The world is based on this insane belief. Defense is frightening. It stems from fear, increasing fear as each defense is made. Let us consider first what you defend. What but the body has such frailty that constant care and watchful, deep concern are needful to protect its little life. Yet it is not the body that can fear or be a thing to fear. It has no need but those which you assign to it. The body is in need of no defense. This cannot be too emphasized. It will be strong and healthy if the mind does not abuse it by assigning it to roles it cannot fill. The self that needs protection is not real. Defend the body and you have attacked your mind. For you have seen it in the faults, the weaknesses, the limits and the lacks from which you think the body must be saved. These are the thoughts in need of healing. You do not heal, but merely take away the hope of healing. For you fail to see where hope must lie, if it be meaningful. A healed mind does not plan. A healed mind is relieved from the belief that it must plan. Enslavement of the body to the plans the unhealed mind sets up to save itself, must make the body sick. It is perhaps not easy to perceive that self-initiated plans are but defenses with the purpose all of them were made to realize. The mind engaged in planning for itself is occupied in setting up control of future happenings. It overlooks the present. The mind that plans is thus refusing to allow for change. Defenses are the plans you undertake to make against the truth. What could you not accept if you but knew that everything that happens, all events, past, present, and to come, are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. Without defenses, you become a light which heaven gratefully acknowledges to be its own. We will anticipate that time today with present confidence, for this is part of what was planned for us. We will be sure that everything we need is given us for our accomplishment of this today. For 15 minutes, twice today, we rest from senseless planning and from every thought which blocks the truth from entering our minds. Today we will receive instead of plan, that we may give instead of organize. And we are truly, and we are given truly as we say, if I defend myself, I am attacked. But in defenselessness, I will be strong and I will learn what my defenses hide. He has remembered you. Today we will remember him. For this is Easter time in your salvation and you rise again from what was seeming death and hopelessness. Try not to shape this day as you believe would benefit you most. Throughout the day, as foolish little things appear to raise defensiveness in you and tempt you to engage in weaving plans Remind yourself, this is a special day for learning, and acknowledge it with this. This is my Easter time, and I will keep it holy. I will not defend myself, because the God, Son of God, needs no defense against the truth of its reality. We will take five minutes now and do a practice. Lesson 135, if I defend myself, I am attacked. Who would defend himself unless he thought he was attacked? That the attack is real and that his own defense can save himself. Lesson 135. If I defend myself, I am attacked. Amen.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you so much, Mm friend. Thank you, friend.
1: Oh, thank you, guys.
5: This is Harrison. For any of you, always pick up just the right paragraph and to read from the lesson. I, this is a lot in this lesson. It's just amazing what he packs into this one lesson. But the paragraph, um, I think it's 18. What could you not accept? if you would knew that everything that happens, all events, past, present, and to come, are gently planned by one whose only purpose is your good. Perhaps you have misunderstood his Plan. That's an understatement. For he would never offer pain to you. So I experience, pain, I have misunderstood his plan. But your defenses did not let you see. His loving blessing shining in every step you ever took. You write about that while you make plans for that. He lets you gently to eternal life. I'm forever grateful. And then paragraph 96, you are invulnerable because you are guiltless. The lesson really is about telling me that I am not who I Thought I was. I'm not Harrison, a body, a personality. <clears throat> I'm not vulnerable, he says, in ninety. That you are invulnerable because you are guiltless. You can hold on to the past only through guilt. For guilt establishes that you will be punished for what you have done and thus depends on one-dimensional time proceeding from past to future. He knows me very well. No one who believes this can understand what always means. I am always guiltless. I've never been anything else. Only by believing I'm a body should I see myself not as the son of God, not as God, me. God not as his perfect creation. So believing I screwed up, I hurt somebody, I did bad things, or believing that about our brothers and sisters, is what keeps me from realizing that I'm guiltless, I'm invulnerable, and I'm the holy son of God. this again. I'm complete.
1: Thank you, Harrison. Oh, thank you, Harrison. morning is morning community. i just want to share just one brief thing something came to me as i'm i'm seeing that i'm not the body and that my mind has made my body into what it is and our group consciousness you know we've all agreed to this but the thought was i'm not a body i am free i am an eternal soul made of light and completely free <laughs> May I get to that realization today many times and allow the body to be what it is, an avenue of expression for love with no impediment. Amen. i complete. Thank you. That's beautiful, Mindy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy.
3: Good morning. Um, both the lesson and the reading were so unbelievably powerful. I, I just um, can touch a few things. The idea of guilt brings a belief in condemnation of one by another, projecting separation in place of unity. Um, yesterday's lesson was, let me perceive forgiveness as it is. In the world of separation where one person does something and then the ego's idea of forgiveness is called for, in that reality, we're separate beings. We project separation. But from the spiritual perspective of unity, we are one in wholeness. So how can there be a need for forgiveness? in that dimension let me perceive forgiveness as it is in a sense of unity now to apply that to um the timeline of the ego's time continuity uh, dimension it's you know something happened and i have to defend myself because my Past learning tells me that this is an attack and I'm in ego time. And if I'm defending, I'm going right straight into separation again. Here we are again. It's a a call for separation. It means my mind has slipped into the belief system of separation. I'm not in Christ consciousness and unity and oneness if I feel like I have to defend myself. If I have to defend myself, it's because I'm separate from something that can attack me. I think this is another, these are the same words that Harrison just said, (laughs) but that's because that's the meaning of this lesson. Um, And if there's a time belief uh, element to the whole picture, which means past and future, uh, the way out of that is the holy instant, the way out of of um, using my past reference point to determine what I should be doing, how I can protect myself, how I can defend against attack, um, the only way out of that is to drop the whole story, all the story and all the thoughts I have about the situation and all the thoughts I have about what's going on. You know, all my interpretations, all of that has to drop. be in the present moment in the holy instant which is pure christ light and um i'd like to offer a little example of that um last night my son-in-law texted my daughter that he wanted to come and visit today And you know, they just went through court and there was all these lies and all this incredible attack stuff coming from him toward her. And I I felt defensive when she called me and told me that and I was like, No, don't let him. And she's but I don't want to keep him from our child. And she was right. And I was wrong. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. You know, what was I thinking? (laughs) You know, adjustment. I have to make an adjustment. But but I was feeling a little angry about the fact that he attacked her so much, you know, and the way to, to not be in that would be to meet him in the holy instant, in the Christ. To shift from all of the stories and last week and all the drama and the constant relentless nonsense that's been going on for so long now, like a year, 10 months, shifting from all of that into the present moment, the pure, holy instant, the instant without all the drama, the instant without all of the ego's world of guilt, condemnation, um, crucifixion, that's all the worldly stuff. You know, this world is a world of, of condemnation. It's a symbol of crucifixion. It's, All of that has to go out the window and meet in the holiness of the present moment. And you can't have a plan. Like you can't say, oh, I'm I'm gonna be nice or I'm gonna go in the next room or I'm not gonna talk to him. All of those are the ego's plans, which is what the lesson was talking about. If I defend myself, I am attacked. If I have plans going on in my ego mind, how I'm gonna deal with everything, that's not the holy instant. The holy instant is show, showing up and being open and letting the Holy Spirit go th- work through me. The Holy Spirit works through me. I have no opinions. I put everything else on the shelf and just show up. I don't even have to try to love because if something is blocking the flow of love, then maybe it's supposed to come through me to be released, you know, my ego would say no don't don't do that you have to be loving but that would be an ego plan maybe the plan is that i can just stay open and conscious and present and hold the intention of of being in the holy spirit's uh alignment and letting go of everything that i thought was supposed to be a certain way no plan no plan anyway i was I was led back um, through this meditation, which was so so deep, to how I defend how I defend against not knowing what to do every single day. My ego is spinning all kinds of um, of plans, you know, to stay in control. I haven't even got the slightest clue how to let go of all of that, because when I was there was so much danger and chaos. Somebody's not muted, but um, so much danger and terror that I felt like I had to have a plan to defend myself. So now I have to recognize I don't have to have a plan to defend myself. That I can open and trust in God because I'm not this body, and it's not about being safe in this crazy world, it's about being one with the Holy Spirit. It's about knowing that my true identity is spirit. That's what I have to do now. It's the unlearning of all those defenses that I, you know, worked so hard to to build in childhood, which served for no good purpose whatsoever because, you know, they've been sabotaging my life since I've been an adult. Um, Anyway, I just want to say one more thing um, from the meeting, which was... Uh Well I would it keeps going back to perceive the mind that perceives itself as separate but it says the world you see is the delusion system of those made mad by guilt this world is a symbol of punishment That's what I'm defending to keep and don't want. I'm complete.
1: Oh, that was a powerful share, Karen. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that was powerful. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Karen.
1: Good morning, this yeah, is Sandra. I...
0: Yeah. Oh. Go ahead, Sandra.
1: Okay. Um, you know, the, I've read in this book that, that the, the there's only one guilt. <laughs> and that is that I don't believe the truth of who I am. And I feel guilty about that. And then I start to create things in my world to prove how guilty I am for my... Um, not believing in the truth of who I am and the reason I don't believe it is kind of innocent is because I wasn't taught to believe it. So I see myself as innocent and my invulnerability comes from the truth of who I am and I, it, it, Behooves me to believe the truth of who I am—that I am immortal, eternal, limitless in possibilities. So, what's there to protect? If that's—if I am limitless, immortal, eternal, and there's limited, limitless possibilities uh, for creation right within me, then then what do I need to? protect what do I need to defend and if I do defend it then what I'm saying is that I don't believe the truth of who I am and then I go back into guilt because it's that lack of belief and it has to get beyond belief it has to be completely integrated so that it's just the truth of who I am there's no more um, believing or not believing it just is it's just a knowing Um, and as time goes on and I keep on keeping on and not defending myself and trusting and relying on my connection with my creator and that this curriculum that I'm experiencing is one that I co-created with my creator to learn the lessons of specialness and, um, And immortality, I guess. Because I am as God created me. I'm not a body. I am free. Completely united. Completely protected. I'm not under laws of this planet or this land. I'm under God's laws. Which says that I am eternal, immortal, invulnerable. I'm complete. Hey, Sandra. Thank, Thank you. you, Sandra.
5: Yeah. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Sandra, you're not in me yet. It, it all starts with me as thinking that I'm a body. I'm born in this world, and everything starts there, and uh, only as a body can I sin. Only as a body can I be hurt or can I hurt others and then feel guilty about it. Um, So I, I really have to undo that belief That I was born in a body that must die and must suffer, and to accept that the truth of who I am is that I am guiltless. He says in this section, accepting the guiltlessness of the Son of God as yours is therefore God's way of reminding you of His Son and what He is in truth. For God has never condemned his son. And being helpless, he is eternal. That's the key. It's just walking away from the belief, no matter how buried that belief is in my memory, in my mind, but walking away from the belief that I'm guilty and stop projecting that belief onto my brothers and sisters. If I'm guiltless, so are they. No matter what they seem to have done in this world, as bodies, it doesn't matter. We are eternal. We are guiltless. Every last one
1: of us. I'm complete. Wow. That was great. Thank you so much. I love that ending. Of course, that was beautiful. Thank you, Harrison. On point.
3: Thank you, Harrison. Um, I have a, a thought about it, too. I mean, I think if the body is sick sometimes it's about our curriculum you know if the body is sick it may put us in an environment I have a lot of friends right now it seems from my former community who are sick and going through all kinds of things my good friend who's my age just had open heart surgery and I just you know all I could think of is God wants to put her in that in those places, the hospital, the rehab place, hiring help, whatever the case may be, for her to be a teacher and a light and a healer in her spiritual self through the circumstances of the body. The body isn't who she is. It's just a like a healing tool for her curriculum. And, um, you know, the Christ self is not defined by what the body's going through. The body might be going through, um, you know, some kind of disease or limitation, but that has nothing to do with the Christ self, you know, and it may in some cases. I mean, so many people are brought to spirit through cancer. So many people, you know, start going for cancer treatment and then they get met by all these spiritual people, who help them open up to other possibilities? So there's that piece. You know, the body. Um, it says in the reading, in the in the lesson, that the body will be perfect if you put it in the service of the Holy Spirit. But that perfect might not look like you think it's going to look. It doesn't mean it's going to have perfect energy and be all totally healed and be the right weight. And you know, it may not. That's That's the ego defining what perfect means, not the perfect, which is Christ's definition of what's perfect, you know? So again, it's like I put the body in the hands of God and, you know, whatever God needs me to do through the body will be done the way it's supposed to be done. It's like giving it over to trust and not defining it in terms of, the ego's uh, values. I will not value his the valueless. Um, there was one more thing, one more point, which I guess I'll hold on till, till, till later because um, it's escaping me. I'm completely...
0: Thank you. Thank you, Karen.
1: Thank you, Karen. It's so true, Karen. You know, with the limitless possibilities of how things can look, and I get so hung up on it's got to look a certain way, and then I get all upset that it doesn't look the way I think it's supposed to look when there's limitless possibilities of how it could look. I'm complete.
3: Uh, Attachment to form, right? The body is form and attachment to it looking a certain way means you're spiritual. That's just not true. I think that's the the lesson is turning everything over instant by instant to the divine to be open and accepting of what's showing up in trust that it's supposed to be the way it's supposed to be. You know, when you're aligned to the
4: divine, I'm complete. Yeah, thanks. This, this is Ida. Um, it makes me think of how people judge their gurus. You know what I mean? I've heard that over and over in 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 my life that I haven't hardly ever had a guru myself, but I've heard that, you know, I was I was kind of interested in Adi Da or Da He used to be known for a while. But, um, like that they don't act like spiritual, you know, but you don't know what's going on on the inside of them, you know, and um it's like Karen already said, you know you you can't judge the spirituality from outward appearances, I mean, we have a moral code that's the code of the world and the ego and stuff like that. And I can respect that, but also at the same time know that um, I ultimately do what I think is best with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I think they mesh a lot of the time, but just that not always. Not always, and you know people might judge me uh my mom was good at that, you know for, uh, every time I joined a new uh what do you call it uh if I joined a different church or- spiritual group, she was in fear that they would be a cult that they would hurt me somehow but uh but that didn't actually happen but <laughs> Anyway, I digress, so, anyway, thanks, I'm complete. Thanks, Aida.
5: Thank
1: thanks,
5: you, I. I Lots to Thank think you. about it.
1: hoo this is great stuff, guys. <laughs> oh, one or the other. Or one, or an, an another, and uh, another. <laughs> the split, the great split, the great projection, the um, deception of perception. Perception is deception. Thinking we're something we're not. Holy moly! The attack and defend. The vicious circle of talking trash and not loving my brother as my, I am as God is, I am as um, Christ is, everyone is God. And, and and that, you know, right in the first paragraph in the reading that, that I can't know Christ or God if I blame anyone for anything, that I am totally responsible for what I think and how I feel, that no one can hurt me. Only my own thoughts.
2: You know, this is this is about
1: suiting and showing showing up for me. I love the line in the text where and I just copied it in my notebook by accepting his or her, my brothers or my sisters, perfect blamelessness. I and accepting their purity and their perfect blamelessness as mine. I will learn of them that it is mine. I can't. Uh, it's totally up to me. And I, I, I thank you for your shares and, you know, Karen, you. You really um, hit the nail on the head. You know about this separating myself and this how this world is a picture of the crucifixion of God's son. This is so screams so loud and clear that I can't judge, accuse or condemn crucify anybody but myself. Everything, everyone is myself. And in the in the opposite token, the flip side of that coin is, I can't judge or accuse or condemn anyone in part without judging the whole. And these ideas become very clear as I, I use the Holy Spirit as my sweet, sweet honeypot of forgiveness that I just Take this from me and judge it for me. <laughs> you know, I got a whole lot of holy, unpure, unholy, and unpure thoughts going about how I'd like to um, judge this person, um, get a posse to substantiate how right I am, and, and hang them high. Instead, the holy instant, in the holy instant, I, I ask the Holy Spirit, you know, this is the way the world looks, appears, and appears because I I think I'm seeing it. I'm still believing I'm seeing it. Makes me feel it still makes me feel this way. Looking upon it, I need help. Help. Ask for help, Jude. Ask for help. Um, you know, we can't help but believe what we perceive. It's until that perception of evil. It's totally removed from me. I need help. I can't. I can't do it alone. Um, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I don't blame myself. I don't judge myself. I don't judge myself. That the Holy Spirit is the perfect defense in any given moment. He automatically dismisses the, the case. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. Not to blame and attack and defend um, that this is not reality that my my being spiritual being is at home in the mind of God that I am purely mind at home in the mind of God and no matter what I say or do I can't be judged by it because it's simply not who I am that's the simplicity and the elegance of that eternal immortal truth that I am not my body, that you can't judge anybody by what they say or do, because as long as they think they're a body, <laughs> they're going to think and and say and do everything upside down and backwards because they're living in a state of fear, and they don't even know it. They can't be blamed. They cannot be blamed. I don't blame them. They know not what they do. The Oh, my whole, whole pure, pure, my purity, my absolute purity that can't be touched, can't be hurt, can't be changed. It's in a perfect state, and that comes from the oneness. I'm just repeating what everybody else has already shared, but I, too, want to say it out loud and, and hear myself speak words of truth. Um, that reality is God's, and God created me as he would have me be. Perfect peace, perfect love is what I am. Perfect happiness, perfect joy, perfectly invulnerable to pain, sickness, suffering, and death. Whether I believe it or not, i gotta, I got to um, stand in the truth. And practice it every moment until I know, I know, I know it. Here I grow, here I grow, here I grow. (laughs) Have a joyful day, everyone. Thank you, Judy.
5: Thank you, Judy.
6: Thank you, Judy. Hi, this is Yogi Chris. Just wanted to say a loving hello. Just listening. Being in that defenseless love as I listen.
5: So what about Hitler and the Nazis? Where do they fit into this whole thing? What about EDM? Um men? Poe Um Where did they fit into this whole thing? How does God view them? It's perfectly...
1: Love perfect, perfectly sees love as itself. It's on the mental plane, purely mind. That the bodies don't exist. That in physicality, the physical world doesn't exist on the mental plane. That's where the purity lies. It's on a it's on a, a level. It's on a level that's transcendent from the physicality of the world. That we we put on body suits. And we think we're killing each other when we can't. We're playing roles. Uh, we're playing roles and, and, and watching a movie that's not real. It really is not real. As God created reality, it's not real. That we think it is real is, is why we suffer, is how we suffer. Amen. Good morning, Patricia here. Oh, thank you. I didn't want to interrupt all. I love hearing all the thank yous. But, Patricia, I'm calling my voice forward because of that beautiful, beautiful, noble, courageous, committed, powerful, innocent question that. Um, I got to live long enough to experience deeper levels of that question. Um, recently, born of World War II, I wore a child and experiencing what happened to my father and mother and many. been very personal to me. And there was a general answer I would get every time I asked that I could begin with, which is, honey, to learn how to love and to learn all the varieties and ways. You know there's no place anywhere in the cosmos that does it like this place. So that's been a constant all my life, the first answer that I would give you for that question. But the second one and most alive in me now was what happened in this past couple of years. And I asked the question again, okay, now I'm right here and I'm ready to be in it more, in it more. On this part of me that I declare is a war outside of me. Own it. How do you do this, dear Lord? And what I got, I can't have the time to tell you. But, oh, believe me, I don't exaggerate when I share. These are things I live. I got directed to learn the history as far back as I could go. And to learn where the countries. and all the governments, but first to go to actually Putin for for a direct one and learn of his parents and how they were born and how they grew up. And then I was directed now, learn when they met each other and how uh, Vladimir Putin was born. And now learn how he grew up. And each step, which took time, that February a few a year back, when that new level of war broke out, I put in about two hours, or I could say I received two hours every day, committed to knowing the answer in a deeper way, not just in the brain like something I'd memorized but what I could live as a part of me this war and honey I I, I can't even begin to say all oh, that I got shown by simply asking and then going as far into the source of a certain person's role in their background I did it earlier with Hitler I to find out who his parents were, what his personal body stories, his own health, and all of his life, the neighbors, the community. It's amazing what happens. Just amazing is all I can say. It's a very rich answer to such a powerful question. Thank you.
6: thank you patricia yeah can i be thank can you. I be heard yes chris yep thank you so much. Hi, it's Yogi Chris. Um, What Patricia was sharing was very powerful and compassionate to look at the past of someone that's crying out for help and hurting. It reminded me of a story I read or saw about this teacher who had this difficult student. And she would see that and get very resentful. And sometimes she would, excuse me, write on his test in big letters, an F. And, and um, so after she did that, I'm trying to make a long story short. She decided to look at that student's past and why he was acting the way he did. So, she looks at the past and sees in the first first grade, he did real well connecting with others. In the second grade, a little bit more quiet, reserved. In the third grade, very uh, easily irritable, very challenged, and come to find out, one of the reasons why he was behaving that way, his inner cry out for love, was that his mom had cancer. Just by me saying that, possibly a lot of you felt a lot of compassion there, just by saying that. So he was crying out for love because he's witnessing his mother struggle, eventually Uh, passing away and when she found out that she decided to love him up in so many ways and be caring and compassionate towards him and he blossomed and his energy returned to him and he became a doctor and at the at the graduation the teacher was there And he acknowledged that teacher for doing what she did. Wow. Can love do that for someone? I'm complete.
1: Thank you, Chris.
0: Yeah, thank you, Chris. Well, not to be a slave of time, but it does call to me that uh, this is the this is about the time where uh, we'd like to end the recording. And uh, so, Harrison, um, as to your question, that's one of those perhaps larger or perhaps just the same questions that we can continue with in the after call after the recording. Um, mm. I just want to offer one thing that I think is is it's always helpful in the, for me if I really apply it in the special case is Well, there's two, really. (laughs) One is that, you know, what I think what Hitler did is tried to... He clearly created a great union among his people, but he did it through separation. And that just cannot work in the long run. So in the attempt to create union and recognize a chosen people... But to do it in separation and the ideas of union and and being chosen are powerful but to do it in separation it's going to it it inherently contains limits it's going to run into the fact that there are other people who are then you know blamed must be blamed and judged and uh it will fall apart um that the message here, which answers I think all those kinds of cases, and lets one see through um, the division is the, the the statement that all are chosen. And, yeah, so then that includes Hitler, too. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the urge to blame pursued long enough will become a call to war. So uh, the answer there is, an answer for that is to remember that all are chosen. And to, uh, and to the focus of, uh, of the past problem is, is in a real sense, the anchor of the ego's viewpoint, where there's a past problem and then projected into the future, it becomes a reason for fear and a call for judgment and, uh leaves us in the present um, practicing separation. So anyway, to close this call, I would just like to point out one thing, and that in the course of the year, this lesson 135 is the first time the phrase Holy Instant appears, and just read that paragraph. This paragraph twenty from the lesson. It says your present trust in him, your present trust in God is the defense which promises a future undisturbed, without a trace of sorrow, and with joy which constantly increases as this life becomes a holy instant set in time, but heating. Only immortality and eternity. Let no defenses but your present trust direct the future, and this life becomes a meaningful encounter with the truth that only your defenses would conceal.
1: Thank you, LeMoyne. Present trust. Oh, so precious. Thank you so much.
0: And uh, one more little bit. Uh, Contains to kind of turn a phrase that I I love because I I see humor in it, where he says, Today we will receive instead of plan that we may give instead of organize. And we are given truly, as we say. If I defend myself, I am attacked. But in defenselessness, I will be strong, and I will learn what my defenses hide. Nothing but that. If there are plans to make, you will be told of them. They may not be the plans you thought were needed, nor indeed the answers to the problems which you thought confronted you. But they are answers to another kind of question which remains unanswered yet in need of answering until the capital A answer comes to you at last. All your defenses have been aimed and not receiving what you will receive today. And in the light and joy of simple truth, you will but wonder why you ever thought you must be defended from release. Heaven asks nothing. It is hell that makes extravagant demands for sacrifice. You give up nothing in these times today when undefended you present yourself to your creator as you really are. He has remembered you. Today, we will remember him. Thank you all for being here.
1: It's beautiful, LeMoyne. Thank you. Who would fly with the little wings of a sparrow, huh? Thank you so much. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank
6: you,
2: Lemoyne.